Uh, Jesus didn't have a problem with people that's in the streets. He had a problem with religious people. How can I help anybody when I'm not even when I was not even able to help my own son? I would never do that. I would never do that. And I became that in a matter of minutes when they took my pain pills away. And I said, I'm not where I want to be. But thank God I'm not what I used to be. Ugh. This is Faith in Your Recovery. I am Randy Davis. Welcome to the battle. Hey, thanks again for joining us here on Faith in Your Recovery. We're glad you're at the other end of what we have to say, and we hope to lift your spirit, lift your life, and bring it closer to God and closer to recovery. God bless. Thanks again. Have with us today a gentleman that we first interviewed on episode number 10. It was kind of a tag team moment. Uh, Jason Howard was on with us. Today's guest, Skip Ackerman. Welcome, Skip. Thanks, Randy. Appreciate letting me come on. Ah, we're glad you're here with us, folks. Before we get to to this with Skip, we're going to go ahead and throw in here a little shameless mm. bit of uh, our pride here with Faith in Your Recovery. We've just authored, published our first book, Recovery Conversations with Randy Davis. It's going well. We're pleased with the way it's uh, the way it's getting distributed, the purchase numbers, and everything that's going along with that. It's available on the book website at recoveryconversations.org or even through our office website for a better life, Brianna's Hope at ablbh.org, and a course on Amazon. But isn't everything available on Amazon? Yeah, everything but recovery, but there are books there that can help lead you in that direction. So go ahead, give us an order. It is $15.95 plus $1.12 tax. We'd love to have you on board. It's filled with stories of personal experiences. Those who have suffered, struggled, found the victory. And each one of them in our first volume, which our second volume is already in the process. Each one of our interviewees on that first volume, you're going to find out the closeness they came to have with God through Christ and the victory they've received. With that in mind, let's go ahead with the program here today. Skip, we're going to ask you to go back in your in your life where you had the the toughest struggles with your own addiction, uh, the battles, the losses that created and caused. Share with us about that for 10 or 15 minutes, and we want to go to the victory sign and tell them what life's about today. So go ahead, hit us with that, would you please? Okay, Randy, thanks a lot. I, I tell you, my wife jokes around with everybody, said, don't give skip the mic, you won't get it back. <laughs> but, uh, you know, one, one thing with me, you know, I, I came from a good family, um, Life, life was uh, decent growing up. I didn't lack anything, but I did lack something. And what I lacked was I didn't think that I belonged in, when I was in a crowded room. I thought I was alone in a crowded room. Um, growing up in years, I found out when I took that first drink when I was 15 years old and, and got drunk, I felt, I felt a, part of, a part of that crowded room. I felt like I could talk. I could dance better. I could talk to the girls. And so I kept drinking more. And, um, you know, throughout the time that just kind of that feeling, I was trying to catch that feeling of being a whole person. 
kind of an artificial confidence? Is that what it did for you? That's exactly what it did for me. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I was always looking things outside myself to make me who whole, but I never searched inside. Um, but I didn't want to search inside of all the stuff that was in there because it scared, it scared me. Even growing up, you know, getting on the fire department here, um, you know, I, I did a lot of drinking and drugs because I didn't want to deal with certain emotions. Uh, when you do CPR on a little child and the, or when you see a, a, a death to a shooting or, um, or even the other stuff, whatever it is, I just did. That's the way I dealt with anything was go home and drink and take drugs. So how long were you on the fire department? I was on 33 years. 33. So you retired from that? It, almost two years ago, August 6th, two years ago, will be okay. two years. Well, congratulations. Thank you for your service, for having been there for so many. But as you've said, it takes its toll, doesn't it? That day in and day out drain of trying to be there in somebody's time of greatest physical need in many instances. Yeah, I tell you, it's, uh, you know, there's a lot of snapshots that are horrible that I used to see all the time. And it's in a person's in a person or a family's life that was the most miserable time of their life, and then it's just not one; it's thirty three years of those snapshots. I can't imagine how many that would be. What that roll of film or that movie would look like—just a quick shot of A, a quick shot of B, and so on. Yeah, and and that's a lot of you know a lot of I, I can't speak for other first responders, but me personally. I didn't want to face some of that stuff or I couldn't share it with another human being because I thought I was weak or I thought nobody thought like I did. And I, it was hard for me to share it. Nobody never made, felt, made me feel inferior if I shared that. That was all on me. Um, but I remember, uh, you know, when I took the dr drugs and drinking, it helped for a while and then it quit helping. It started breaking my physical health down, my mental health. And I had no spiritual spirituality back then. Uh, I was an atheist, didn't believe in God, myself, or anybody else. In fact, I was very angry at anybody that believed in something like that. So, as you say that, I get the impression, and I know you well enough to go, that's not the case anymore. You did come into a relationship with God through Christ, correct? March 7th of 2005, I was five years sober after getting help and going and doing what I needed to do in a 12-step program. Um, I, didn't, I didn't see it coming. And uh, tell us, tell us about that 12 step program a little bit. I know that you've been highly involved with that on behalf of many. Tell us about that recovery effort. Then I want to go back to your relationship in that moment with Christ. Sure. With me, I was introduced with a 12 step program when, when I was in treatment, but I never went and stayed with it and never got a sponsor. I'd show up late, leave early. I'd get phone numbers, wouldn't use them. And, and I would always get drunk or use drugs. And I, I couldn't imagine what happened. I'd, and I'd tell me, well, I tried that. Well, I didn't try that. What I did is had that, I like, I told everybody that. And honestly, I didn't try it. You know, I, I, I'd go in there and make excuses to go back out and drink. Then finally, on February 7th of 2000, I took my last drink at 7.30, went back to that 12-step program after uh, get drying out. And I started working the 12 steps. You got serious. You started Absolutely. playing the game instead of spectating. Absolutely. And I opened that toolbox finally, and I got those uh, those tools out that were had some dust on it and blew them off and started using them, and I started feeling better. I, not only I stayed sober, but I started feeling better. And 
feeling better, man, I felt the anger better, the loneliness better. So you're not talking just physically feeling better. You're talking internally, psychologically, uh, sociologically, and everything else, correct? That's correct. Every part of it. You know, I masked my bad and good feelings with alcohol and drugs. But when I got sober and started doing that inventory, as this 12 steps suggested, and getting that power greater than myself, um, that's when things started changing in my life. Now, I kept fighting this God of my understanding thing. I kept, Even in sobriety, that's why it took five years. I was battling, and uh, I always tell people, thank God I lost that battle. Yes, yes. <laughs> you know what? Uh, many times we call that conviction, but we don't know what it is in the beginning. It's a feeling we haven't experienced. You cannot know what you do not know. Absolutely. And only when you look back, you see those little moments, those pieces where God was trying to get your attention in a loving, caring way, even if it took a two before to the to the back of your noggin, which so many of us... <laughs> Well, that's what I needed. I, yeah, I tell you, I was exactly. I remember being 33 at the time, and and that's when I had my first heart attack, and that got me back in sobriety, and it saved my life. And the God of my understanding, which I call Christ, um, saved my life. I needed to experience those uh, bad situations and and the good situations to get me where I'm at right now today. I didn't understand it at the time, and I was very an infant. When it came to spirituality, I had to grow up in a 12-step program, which brought me back to church, which brought me to Christ. And that's what I found out. The 12-step program doesn't replace Christianity. It's a tool that you can use to get you closer relationship to the God of your understanding, which are called Jesus Christ. So you talked there just a moment ago, Skip, about being an infant in spirituality. Number one, I like that phrase. And number two, I want to make sure folks know that a relationship with Christ doesn't happen in a heartbeat. It doesn't happen in the instant always when we want it to. His timing's far better than ours. His ways are far above ours. It's a process, the growth. Sometimes people expect others to grow at a pace they didn't expect themselves to grow at. And that can be confusing to that new believer, to that one who's searching and and groping for their higher power. But uh, you got there. You've lived there. What's it been like? What's that done to your life and for your life, Skip? For me. It's helped fill a void that I couldn't fill with any drink, drug, sex, or any material thing in life. This gave me this peace that surpasses understanding. Uh, not that I have bad, don't have uh, bad times, but I have some bad moments. Usually it's been bad days with some good moments. Now it's some uh, learning experiences, I guess I should call. Um, I'd like to say that I believe 100% every single day, but I'm like the doubting Thomas some days. When things are going bad, I'm worn out, I'm tired, I start doubting, and then God shows up in a big way for me. Amen. And he, and he continues to do that. Today and yesterday has been a, a tough day, but he shows up in a big way. And I'm just so glad that uh, I can be on here and talking to you today. You know what? I 
I appreciate the story in God's Word there in the scriptures about, quote-unquote, doubting Thomas. I call him Honest Thomas. Uh, he, he recognized his doubts, which allowed him to deal with his doubts. He could label them. And as we know, if you keep reading the story, he rose above those doubts. I can remember from there in Scripture, he said, I won't believe until I can cast my hand into your side. But when Christ came to him at that next moment, that next appearance, we don't, Thomas said, I believe. We don't know if he stuck his hand in his side or not. <laughs> but when you get that close, you'll come to believe. But again, it's that process. Allow yourself time, continue to mature and grow. Isn't that a lot like recovery itself? You know, the oldest adage I recall about recovery is one day at a time. And when you can't do one day at a time, break it up into half a day. And if you've got to break it up in hours, minutes, and seconds, keep breaking it down. That's the one of the reasons time's designed the way it is. We can't always look ahead until tomorrow. We've got to survive today. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I tell you, I, I know for me, you know, just like you said, one moment at a time works for me. I know I can go without drinking or drugging for 24 hours. There's no doubt in my mind. I am not going to drink or drug no matter what happens in my life or somebody's. But on the other hand, if I'm going to keep my sanity and my serenity, I need to go one moment at a time, especially through the hard times yeah. uh, when stuff happens because I don't have to understand it. I tell people a lot of times for me, Teaching God's will to me is like teaching quantum physics to a little baby. I don't, I don't get it. I don't always get it. It takes me a while, usually years looking back. That's why that happened. And I, you know, I, I just kind of act as if and keep walking. Um, the old saying, if you're, you know, what I've been told, my, my sponsors told me, said, if you're going through hell, keep walking. That's it. Don't stop. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, let the fire get you. You can get out of it if you move far enough, right? That's right. And, of course, you know that with your background in fire department work. Yeah. It, uh, uh, that you walk into it, and then you walk out of it. Absolutely. And sometimes you've got a back step to get out of the moment. And there's nothing wrong with that if that's going to allow you to to move forward in the end. Sure. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, okay. So where, where is life now? Not so much, Skip. I get the idea. You're in a good place. I, I do thank you. You mentioned you still have your struggles, but I'd like to refer to that scripture that says, in this world, you will have troubles. But that's okay. Hold on. Jesus has overcome the world's what it's gone on to say. But it's a natural part of living to experience problems. How are you experiencing life now as a whole? And what's, what's your life about? I tell you, I like, you know, what resonates in my mind when it comes to Bible verses, because I'm a, I was in special uh, classes when I was in school, and I, I'm, I'm dyslexic. And I can never, I struggled reading and understanding. And, but something that resonates with me is in James, and it's one through nine. And I, and this is not word for word. It says, when trials and tribulations of today will give you more endurance for tomorrow. 
<laughs> and I think sometimes God thinks I'm tough. <laughs> you build that spiritual muscle. Oh it? yeah, he's. But um, you know, today it's it's right now at this moment it's a good day and it's getting better. Um, half hour earlier, I was worn out. I was tired, and life was getting to me. Um, but at the same time, I, I, I pick through. I I share what's going on with me. I get things off my chest. Um, I, I still pray. I pray. I say, I don't know what to do. Uh, and I just act as if I go help somebody because I got to redirect my thinking instead of going that depression, that worry, that anxiety. If I redirect my thinking and that's not forgetting about what's going on with me and invading it. Sure. But I'll let God handle what's over to the left of me while I take care of what's on the right of me. And then it works it out and they come together. Yeah, it lines out to being whatever God's will is. So you made a reference there to to seeking, trying to help others. Sure. How are you doing that now? Uh, you're involved with Turning Point Madison County. Mm-hmm. Yes. Tell the folks a little about Turning Point Madison County, what they're about, and tell us a little bit of your responsibilities or your roles within that. Okay. Well. Turning Point, Madison County, we help people with mental health or addiction issues. We have a 24-hour 7 line. Uh, it's 765-227-2585. Say that again a little bit slower. I want to make sure folks get this 24-hour hotline. That's right. It's 765-227-2585. Right. And you call that number, you'll, a recovery coach will answer. And that's somebody that's uh, had a problem with addiction that's been in prison or jail that's straighten their life up that can help you. You don't have to, there's no automated numbers you have to press. It'll be a live person. Um, we don't get that a lot anymore. Okay. That's right. Uh, we've got to press through a half a dozen numbers and then we're still lucky to get someone. Yeah, that's, that's true. But you know, with turning point, um, we're here to help, you know, we go up to the jails and we work with the inmates, men and women, uh, to have a plan when they get out of jail so they don't have to repeat the same offense and go back to jail. We also, for the first time, we're, we're working with the city court. We just did that the other day. The, one of the prosecutors called us. We went to the city court and got a young lady out of jail. Um, we do appointments in the office here at 601 Meridian, uh, right with the Elio Center by the Christian Center. And also we're in Elwood, and it's, uh, I think it's 1500 B Street, right across from the mayor's office. That's kind of a new uh, office there, isn't it? Rather new? Yeah. It just opened up a few months ago. Um, Elwood is taking us in and just kind of rolled out the red carpet, and we're, we're giving back to them, and they're giving to us an office space. And, um, and we have a person that's manned from Monday through Thursday from 9 to 4 and 9 to 1 on Friday. I like that. I like that. You made a comment here a moment ago that you guys, uh, your group goes into the jails and helps individuals have a plan for their future so they don't have to fall back into that darkness. And I'm reminded of the, uh, the phrase, a failure to plan is a plan to fail. And you guys are helping individuals battle against that and have some direction and focus. And I'm going to guess you give them tools to help get them there, guides, uh, places to go when they're out to know there are people out here who care. Uh, Absolutely. I am so thankful that years ago we recognized we cannot jail, imprison 
our addiction situation away, that we've got to meet people where they are, and if that's behind bars, we meet them there. That's scriptural, too, as I recall. But we find them where they're at and help them get to the place God wants them to be. Sure. You know, a lot of to, a lot of times too. You know, we talk about the jails, the the homeless. You know, there's a lot of people that's in jail between their ears. Oh. They wear suits and ties. <laughs> they wear dresses. They go to work. They can be a head of a corporation, or they could be a, a worker, and they're the they get real quiet. They're afraid to talk about that because they got a certain reputation they want to carry, and they're afraid to talk about their mental health. And that not just a first responder, or fireman, and policeman, but business people. Um, I've talked to a lot of I've talked to some teachers, police officers, and once you share your story, whoever st- I share my story, I'm very upfront with it. Then I get a call later, or they'll take me aside and talk to me. Um, they're very afraid of what somebody's going to think. If you got a business, uh, they're afraid. Uh, so we we talk to anybody. So Turning Point Mass Account, we're not just out here just for the homeless or the people who are in jail or the people that have mental health. Everybody has a mental health issue, I believe. And if you I, I don't, agree. you're not being honest. I and agree. I, you're not being honest. I don't care who you are, where you're at, what color skin you are, or what part of the world you're in, or you know, you go to bed with a night, whatever. Any Anybody can get mental health issues. Yes, yes, yes. I like that fact we don't want to focus just on the idea of this, the obvious struggler, but that one who, as you said, struggling between his ears. Sure. My dad was a uh, World War II veteran and saw some awful things. My dad told me his story twice, and both times he was drunk. That's the only way he felt like he could express it to me, and I always felt like my dad, and this is before we had the letters PTSD, they were not part of our, you know, our our wording then, but I felt like my dad remained a prisoner of war until about two months before he died, and he was finally able to let go a lot of that, and that was through Christ. So uh, I I get what you're saying there, that idea of that, you know, being a prisoner between our, our ears and our mind, much as you were as a young person, you didn't know how to identify, but you knew you weren't fitting. You knew you were... Um, a broken puzzle piece and with you couldn't be completed because you didn't know what how to fix yourself. Then you found that fix after years of struggling and searching for it. What has been one of the highlights of your professional career? Mm, that's a tough one. <laughs> There's been a lot. Um I am grateful to be a part of different nonprofit organizations through the years of helping people. I think that's, I think God gave me a story and I can use this story to share with other people. Um, I've been, and I, I don't boast, I've been, you know, uh, side by side with Jeff Saturday uh, with Indianapolis Colts on the stage talking. Um, I've been uh, on TV shows, I talk to doctors, nurses, and this is not about me. It's just sharing a story about addiction or mental health. 
but I'm blessed that God took that brokenness and can use that to benefit uh, other people. Like I said, I'm not the brightest star in the sky. And he can use anybody. I know this because I'm here and I'm sharing with you today and I, I'm, on, right, I'm on a podcast. Didn't see that coming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can understand all of that. If I, as a seven-year-old, a 17-year-old, or even a 27-year-old, would have dreamed of being where I am today, I'd have shook my head no and said, no, you can't get there. But isn't it incredible what God can do with a piece of pliable clay? As we are. And regardless of that blemish that's in all of us, there's much more beauty within us than the blemish. And I think we need to recognize that with others. Of course, it's easy for me to recognize with myself, but sometimes I'll see something that's not so pretty, and instead, I'll focus on that blemish instead of the, or the problem instead of the potential and the masterpiece that's there. So I'm not the only one that does that then. Huh? <laughs> no, believe me, you're not. And I am going to guess, I'm not going to speak for anyone else. I'll bet one or two of our listeners out there, uh, they can identify sure. and recognize what we're saying, all right? What do you feel is the best advice you can give to someone who is in the struggle with addiction or the loved one of someone who's in a struggle with addiction? What would you like for them to know? You're not alone. Be willing to do whatever it takes to get where you need to go and reach out for help. Be willing, you've got to do the work. Absolutely. So the, I think you mentioned that earlier. You attended many meetings before you ever started doing the work. Absolutely. That uh, you can't just watch it happen. I've always said God will give and he'll share and he'll provide, but he's going to give you a hoe or a shovel, he's not going to dig the hole for you. You're going to have to dig it yourself. Uh, he may give you the lumber to rebuild. You're the one who's going to have to swing the hammer. Uh, and and that's much what you're saying there. Yeah, go ahead Absolutely. with that. Faith without works, you know, like it says, is mm -hmm. dead. You know, I can pray all I want for that, uh, my loved one to get sober or whatever, but I need to work on me. My wife uh, started getting help 30 days before I sobered up. So... Did she kind of blaze the path for you in your head and heart? Or were you bitter about that? She got out of the way. She, um, like I tell people, uh, my family, they almost love me to death. And that can happen. Yeah. And they, my wife got out of the way. She started getting help, and they told her he needs to hit his bottom, and you need to let him to do it. That couldn't have been easy for her because I'm sure she had been rescuing for a while, as any of us would do. But she obviously came to recognize there was some truth in that. Yes? Yeah. She uh, found that out. And I remember being sober for a month, and, and my 
my uh, sponsor said, you need to go take your wife to lunch because we're separated. I said, I don't want to. Because we don't care what you want. You go take your wife. And that's when she told me she's been going to 12-step group meetings herself. So why the insistence on you going to take her to lunch? Did he feel that would be healing for you? Did he feel it would give you hope? What Can you tell us? Well, for, for me, the guys then, they were, they were a God of my understanding at the time. Yeah. I needed direction. I needed to do the next right thing. I needed to be a better husband, a better son, and a better father. And they told me what I needed to do. Okay. Because I didn't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Were you able or would it have been proper to, to tell her that at that time? Is that part of what it was about? Or was it just rekindling the relationship so you could move to that level of honesty? What they told me to do is do everything for your marriage that you can. And then if you make a decision you don't want to be married to her anymore, then you tried everything. Well, July 31st, we've been married 30, 31 years. Congratulations. Um, I'm just grateful I don't act that would on that first thought. Yes. And I just let it go. And she is an uh, inspiration. What about her recovery? How has her recovery gone? Not just your relationship, but where is she at? She is the spiritual, uh, strong person in our marriage. Um, she's doing well. She is, uh, when I couldn't see God, I could see my wife. And she's a godly woman, very uh, courageous, very strong, very loving, very caring, nurturing to all. Um, was there when I was there for me when I didn't want to be there for me. Um, you know, right now, uh, I told you she's going through uh, breast cancer and she, uh, has got a great attitude. She's helping, still helping people and, and making sure she asked me the other night, she goes, are you okay? <laughs> I go, yeah, I think so. Yeah. She's worried about me and, uh, I'm just, I'm grateful and everything looks good. So she, we're, we're, we're very optimistic. You know, she's a, she's a fighter. She don't, she don't lay down. And the next day after her surgery, she's up doing stuff. And I had to slow her down. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Congratulations Thanks. to you both. We'll keep her in our prayers. Uh, what, what do you believe is the next best step for you as far as sharing yourself and your recovery with others? What can you, what do you have ready to give? What is the next goal for your life? I know that's a lot of questions, but I hope they all focus pretty close together. Let's, what is the next goal for you in your recovery? Tomorrow? I think for me, um, having a better relationship with Jesus Christ is the main one. Um, all the other things will pan out. You know, what I, what I think I want to do and what I need to do is two different things. Um, I know for me, I want to help people, but I think I need to be balanced in my own life and not try to overwhelm myself at doing all these, all this stuff. Um, I need to do the right, the right thing. Um, my, my goal, um, I, I get to travel to England 
uh, on the 20th and do a, an event. This was this this event was planned in a year ago for cancer awareness. I didn't know my wife was going to have cancer. Um, so I think God for me has a plan. I always don't know what it what it is. Um, I don't always yeah. want to know. <laughs> okay. It's like I I. When I say I'm not going to do something, guess what I get to do? <laughs> That's the challenge of the day, right? When I say I don't want to work with somebody, guess what happens? Guess who calls? <laughs> I hear you. I yeah. understand. Um, I don't know if I answered your question, uh, but it's, you know, I, I I have a lot of things going through my mind. But uh, I think the as long as I could be a better husband and a family man and a better friend, I think that's the best thing. Well, I ask you what you wanted to do, and you're answering what you want to be, and that's even more important. Uh, better husband, the word better begins with be. Better friend, we're back to better, we're back to be. And it's who we are far beyond what we do. And it just said earlier that faith without works is dead. And yeah, we do need to be about that, but it needs to be from a sincere, a contrite, a growing spirit and heart. And you're headed that way for certain. Yeah. Skip, is there anything else you'd like folks to know at this time or any comments you'd like to make that I haven't addressed I tell you, just don't give up. I, I think uh, don't give up, just give in. If you don't understand it, you don't have to. Just keep walking that walk and reach out for help. That's all I think. Reach out for help. That's one of the, the most bold requests we can make. As guys, we're not good at that. Uh, we're supposed to have all the answers. We're to be the macho and carry that far greater than we carry any hurt. We're not to be seen as weak. I outgrew that a long time ago. Okay, I I have no problem if you see my tears or if you see my hurt in life. But what I don't want to do is to cause you hurt. Uh, I want you to be able to have the same kind of joy I have, not because mine excels anyone, but because I know the one who's given it to me. I'm going to live in that and watch it happen. You know, the the thought just came to mind of many times I've seen your posts on Facebook and I've I've witnessed uh, through conversation with you one of your catchphrases has been for a long time, have a great day and remember who gave it to you. I think that's kind of where you're at right now with what you're saying. Does that fit? Absolutely. Uh, my neighbor used to tell me that all the time, and he was uh, uh, paralyzed from the neck down. The most positive person that I know. I, I've got to admit, his name was John. I knew the same kind of guy. Mm -hmm. Diving accident from when he was younger, confined to a wheelchair. I will never forget. uh, I believe he was quadriplegic, but I'll never forget him coming to the church to speak. A family member helped roll him to the front so he could share his testimony. And there with every eye in the room on him, a fly landed on his nose. Uh, it, it sounds 
almost like a humorous joke, and I don't mean it that way. And I will never forget his comment was he crossed his eyes and looked at that fly, and everybody in the room could see that. And he went on to say, that's one of the inconveniences of not being able to wave your hands. And it just, that was kind of hard he had in the lives that he touched. Uh, you know, he walked in a deeper faith without legs that would motivate than I've had many days, and I respect that totally. So, Skip, thank you for your time. Thank you for your willingness to uh, to fill in today. We had a cancellation, but uh, Skip was willing to take care of this for us. God bless in all you do, and keep up the good work, and we'll talk again, I'm sure, all right? Thanks, Randy. You betcha. And folks, thank you. Uh, thank you for tuning in with each episode Feel free and get back to us through our podcast at ablbh.org or recoveryconversations.org with any questions or comments. We'd be glad to respond to them. Until then, keep walking the walk and hang in there. Don't give up. Your help, your hope. Maybe just around the next corner, who knows? Maybe on our next episode faith in your recovery. Stay in the battle. God bless. Thank you.